Welcome back, everybody, to the Next Level Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Leslie, and we have got a great guest. Hopefully, he was razzing me up before that he was going to be hard on me, so I'm ready. I'm packing heat, right? Oh, absolutely. You ready to go? Let's do it. (laughs) I'm ready to go. Awesome. So without further ado, Jerry McCambridge. Mm -hmm. Welcome, welcome. My pleasure to be here. Oh, it's so wonderful. So... Jerry is the mentalist. He's got a show in town mm-hmm. at the V Theater. 17 years. 17 years. Mm-hmm. 5,000 performances. Yeah? Close to. Close to 5,000. Wow. Every night of the week, except Wednesdays. Six nights a week. Six nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic, fantastic show. I went to see it. Um, I was blown away. I didn't even know what to say to you after. We sat down. We chatted for like a couple of hours after. It was like two hours. <laughs> That's when we should have the microphones running. We should have, really. It was brilliant. But I literally was like, you were like, what did you think of the show? I was like, uh, uh, I don't even know what to ask you. You were speechless. Truly. Was I the only man to ever get you speechless so far in your life? (laughs) Honestly, with this big mouth? I think so, to be honest. It's a badge of honor. Check. (laughs) One point for you. No, it was so incredible because, you know, I've seen mentalist type of performances before and magicians and different types of things, but not quite like your show. You are obviously incredibly skilled and it's so fascinating because how you presented yourself in the show was, and your work, you illuminated to us what you were seeing and noticing. Like at the very beginning, you would talk to us about statistics and because of this person's age and the way they're talking and, you know, their body language, you could sort of anticipate what their answer was going to be Mm -hmm. and the vocal fluctuation and that sort of thing. And it was, I never understood what mentalism was and and those sorts of pieces. So that was cool. But then there was a part in your show when you kind of went to, you totally took us to another level where I'm like, okay, this guy literally has magic ability. Which part was that? Oh my God. When I got naked and did the uh, naked dance? (laughs) When you did the naked dance and you brought people up on the stage and you got them naked and the whole thing. Yeah. She was the first one up there. She was the first one up there naked. Guilty. (laughs) No, none of that happened. Although we might need to revamp your show and include that. That sounds okay. Well, you have to choreograph choreograph it for me. Okay, I could. So where I have was the part that, that I went to the different place that you liked? So you were slowly, okay, you were having the st- statistics on the board about the odds of things happening. Right. And then when you got to, I don't know, it was like way to a billion. Um, I can't remember exactly the part. I, I hit the billion mark at the lottery and then the Rubik's Cube. Oh, yeah. The, well, those, the lottery is 36 those billion. I didn't, those I still don't even understand how you did. So, no, it was much earlier in the show. You had, um, when the people were, you're passing the microphones to different people. Yes, yes, yes. That yes. blew my mind because I'm like, there's no way that you had any control or couldn't anticipate anything. So That routine is what I'm known for. I've done that over 30 years. So tell me your secret now. Can you keep a secret? I can keep. Can you guys keep a secret? Oh, shit. I forgot that we're out there. Oh, I, I shouldn't tell have I'll told t- him. I'll tell you later. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. Okay. So <laughs> when I was reading your book, so mm-hmm. I'm going to show everyone here, Making the Mentalist, which is absolutely phenomenal. You can buy it on thementalist.com, dot or org, dot, dot whatever, thementalist.everything. I, <laughs> I foresaw the size that the internet was going to be. 
Okay, we're going to get into that. Okay. Because this is a this is about practical solutions to creating our success, our most amazing life. And you texted me that you love your life. So I want to know how you created this life that you love so much. Do you love your life? I do. Then why did you find my text so odd? Because it's not there's not very many people that say that. That's okay. why. And so like attract like, which is great, but I've just really stepped out into my next level in my life. Like I've been preparing for so long. I see how you did that. You turned it around. You're good, you. <laughs> but I've been preparing so long for my um, stepping into my authentic, amazing, loved-filled life. And so I'm just now starting to meet people who have more of that appreciation and love for their life. So it was just such a beautiful reinforcement and amazing thing to hear you say that. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm like, he that gets too. it. He gets it. He's, he's one of me. Yay. There's more of us in the world. <laughs> it's a small club we belong to, but we yes. have to make it bigger. Hence, we have to teach people. Hence the podcast here. And yes. you do your work too. Um, I really want more people to, I want to get more texts from people like that. I want more people to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Because it can be, I don't want to say lonely at the top. We're alone, you know, because there's few can be. But it's a really amazing um, life to live when you really just enjoy waking up and doing what you love to do. I love to be at the top. Mm -hmm. I had somebody reach out to me yesterday. It was a fellow performer and said, I'm using you. I'm emulating you to, to be successful. Can you help me? And I love helping people succeed and helping him love his life. So I'm at the top, but I love to bring people up to the top. So how do you do that? Are you mentoring them? Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, that's one. You held up one of my books. That's what's uh, what I like to call the public book. But I have a book for performers as well that teach them my 30 plus years of experience, how to perform, how to entertain, how to motivate. It's a, it's a private book and I do podcasts like this just for performers or magicians or, or whatever to teach people. You wow. know, you, you reach a point where, okay, I'm at the top. It's great. I've achieved all of my goals. Now let me help other people achieve their goals. That's that, amazing. That's my new goal, helping other people achieve their goals. Oh, you beat me to it. That was supposed to be saving that for the end of the podcast. Okay, we're done. It's a wrap. We're, we're finished. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs> okay, so we know, spoiler alert, we know what his next level is going to be. But we'll... well, it's not what my next level is going to be. It's what my next le- level is right now. Okay. It's what I'm doing right now. I, I wrote that book, I don't know, three or four years ago, uh, helping other performers. And I've right. done podcasts and I... And this guy reached out to me on Facebook Messenger and said, hey, I don't understand this, and I have a show this weekend, and I really want to understand it. And after my show was over, I sent him a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't say too much without giving away the secret. And he just texted me, and it's like, oh, my God, you have no idea how much this helped me. You've given me the confidence to go out there and and do it this weekend. I would rather create good performers than be the good performer and make everybody else a shitty performer. You know, right, and that's that says a lot about your character. I mean, you really do care. You really want people to be better. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. If this is a shitty podcast, people will not say, "I'm not going to listen to any more podcasts." Doctor Leslie's crap. Mm-hmm. 
they'll they'll listen to others. But with performers, it's kind of different. If you come to Vegas and you go see a shitty mentalist, and then you come back in six months and you go, oh, what should we go see? And you're looking at the, one of those books and you go, oh, mentalist. Oh, oh no, I saw that last time I was here. It, it, it wasn't fun. So it's in my best interest to help other people become better mentalists because it helps my craft out as well. Yeah, absolutely. So. That's great. So going back to this mentalism, in your words, why don't you share what it is? Oh my God. In how, how long a is the sentence, podcast? in one sentence. <laughs> how many so, commas do I get? <laughs> <laughs> he stole my line. Yes. He stole my line. That's yes. that's what I used describing my podcast. How many you can buy two commas. <laughs> okay. And a few semicolons. Um <laughs> I, I consider myself one thing, and that's an entertainer. Mentalism is the, the form that I use to entertain with a subtext of comedy. You know, I like to be funny. Uh, when I was growing up and I was a kid 100 years ago, there was only one mentalist out there. It was the, the amazing Kreskin. Mm. Do you remember him? Yes. The name's f familiar, yes. And I went to see his show, and it was not entertaining. It was five minutes of a buildup for a 30 second entertainment part, you know, and, and it was long and he was talking about himself and he was long winded and telling everybody how many times he was on the Johnny Carson show. Who gives a shit? Get on to what I'm here for. So I went and studied comedy for years and said, I want those four minutes of the setup that maybe I have to do to be fun and entertaining. So I want it to be ha 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 ha. And then I kick you in the teeth and you go, what the? And that's what you ha, did ha, ha, ha. What in your the? show. Yeah. Right. So, you can say the F word on the show. I can? You can. Fucking A. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we so, go. First so, one is knocked out. We got it. <laughs> so, so I consider myself an entertainer and I use mentalism as a form of entertainment. Now, mentalism, since that was your question, is a form of magic. Uh, it's messing with people's minds. You know, it's here, pick a card, any card. Well, is this your card? As a perform, as a spectator, you should say, "Well, no, it's your card, Mister Magician. It's not my card." So, I try to adapt my show so everything is about you. Is this your third grade school teacher? Holy shit! How'd you figure that? You know, so so it has to be all about a person. Many, 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 many years ago, I was doing magic, and a friend of mine where I used to work in a hospital, psychiatric hospital. Ooh, mm, good tie-in. I did that, yeah. Did you too? Mm-hmm. Back yeah. in Canada. I did it Alberta Hospital. Oof, heavy. South Oaks Hospital. Fascinating. Wow. Yes. Love mental health. So much need in the mental health community, awareness, and, but yes. So, so I'm working in the hospital, mm -hmm. and somebody from the human resources department was dying to get a hold of me. And she said, me and my husband just went on a cruise, and we saw a magician. And I was like, oh. She was like... Yeah, he was, he was fun. I said, what was his name? Mm, I don't remember. What did he do? Uh, yeah, the same stuff all, all you guys do. You know, what, what did he look like? Uh, it was a tuxedo. Or, so in other words, she was excited to tell me, but didn't remember shit. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you remember about the show? He took my wedding ring and linked it to another lady's wedding ring. Mm -hmm. That's all she remembered. He could have made a helicopter appear. He could have made, you know, the Statue of Liberty disappear because it was about her. So you're saying humans, we are incredibly selfish and self-involved. 
I didn't say that you did, (laughs) but it made me realize that there's nothing more important to people than themselves. So if I can make the show about the audience and not about, oh, look, here's a Lamborghini. It's gone. Everybody can do that. So I wanted to make the show about the audience themselves, not about me. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me on the path going down the mentalism road, realizing, hmm, the more I can turn it on people, the better they'll like it and remember it. That's great. And so you discovered that just through your own experience and and seeing what you didn't like in the other performers. Right. Well, that happened. And at the same time, I performed at, I was in the union at the time, and, and I performed at their holiday party. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I talk about it in the book. And a guy that I worked with every day, eight hours a day for 10 years, is in the audience watching me and he's with his kids. And I did a few magic tricks, and then I did one mentalism trick. I was trying it out to see how I liked it. And the guy came up to me and said, I said, how'd you like the show, Jack? He was like, ah, the show was good, but I never knew you can read minds. And that's all that he remembered. And that was about somebody else. So I was like, reading minds, turning it on other people. I see a pattern forming here. Mm-hmm. And slowly went in that direction. Yeah, you just put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, yeah. Like. I learned what people wanted to see, what people found interesting. I listened to my audience and then readapted my show based on that. Okay. So you had alluded to this, actually you said it pretty straightforward in your book, that mentalism is not like, there's no psychic ability or anything Correct. supernatural. Correct. Although so, To me, psychics are people that talk to the dead. Okay. I have enough trouble talking to the living. I've not <laughs> promoted myself to the dead yet. So do you do you believe in psychics? Uh, I believe that psychics could exist. I have never come across one yet. I've never come across anybody that convinced me that they are psychic or they're talking to a dead person or somebody in the past. Or nobody mm-hmm. has ever convinced me that they are that. But I'm open to anything. Are you psychic? See, I'm open to it. Or I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> It's so funny. Well, no, I'm just curious because, you know, it seems so much like you have psychic abilities and you can truly read minds. And Well, do you consider a mind reader and a psychic the same thing? What do you consider to be a psychic? Yeah, that's a good question. I was actually going to ask you that. You know, what your, as we kind of dive more into it, like discerning the difference. Because, you know, with a mind reader, there is, we believe, well, Research supposedly suggests that telepathy exists. We've mm-hmm. been able to measure that, that people can communicate in a way that transfers information and inspires, you know, an idea in one person and another um, without any other form of communication, mm-hmm. just through the mind. So that would be more of, to me, what mind reading is, is more of like a telepathic type of communication. Um Psychic, yeah, would be talking to a dead person or being able to tell you, well, even things about your past that maybe no one could ever know. But you, in your show, you, like, did that. But I don't consider that to be psychic. To me, psychic is someone who talks to the dead. That's how I classify So how did you know the things you knew about some people? It it wasn't just, see... (laughs) (laughs) You're asking for secrets. I'm asking for se- We want to know the secrets. Can't You're not going to tell. Oh. oh. 
Okay. What kind of mentalist do you think I am? <laughs> All right, fine. We can move but, on. But, but the, everybody has different <laughs> classifications. So yes. what is a mind reader? To me, you know, some people think, oh, you can look inside of my head and see what I'm seeing. To me, a mind reader is somebody who can figure out what you're thinking without directly asking. So in your work, do you ever sit there with patients and kind of know what they're going to think or what questions are coming next before they even ask them? Of course. So are you a mind reader or are you just intuitive because you've done it so many times right. that, okay, I know where this is going to go? Yes, you know. exactly. So actually, one of the things that I wanted to discuss, it's actually on my little list here, is intuition. Because yes. intuition and mind That's reading the word and, that I like. and psychic abilities and all of these things can be jumbled up, but they need to be separated. So I know many people in the spiritual community, intuition sometimes really gets pulled into this psychic ability type of thing, and they are distinctly different in my world. And your world. Mm -hmm. So how... Psychics talk to the dead. I'm not psychic. Put that aside. Got it. Intuition, figuring things out about people, mm -hmm. figuring out their feelings. You know, we're a couple. And, and I come home from work one day. I don't say anything to you. And you should be able to intuitively say, honey, what's the matter? Mm -hmm. You know, because you just, you feel me. You know me. You feel my vibes. You've, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's totally different than being psychic. Right. Okay. So do you feel that intuition can be built and harnessed as you study people more? Like, do you Absolutely. feel... Right. So you feel that there's that correlation. Right. Hence, I, I think of intuition like um, artistic ability. Mm. Okay. Uh, you, you and I can take 10 years of piano lessons. And if you're not musically gifted, you will learn how to play the piano. You could be pretty good at it after 10 years. But if I have a musical gift, perfect pitch or perfect, you know, uh, whatever, uh, I'm going to go so much further, even though we both took the same classes every day for the last 10 years. So some people have gifts which allow them to go further than others just based on natural. So yes, everybody can be taught to be more intuitive, but some people are just, there's something built in that's unexplainable. Okay, so that doesn't help everybody because you're telling us that some folk out there might are not as good as others. Are just not as good. But you can learn. So, but do you think that if someone develops enough, like it might take longer for someone who doesn't have that natural gift or ability mm -hmm. to become successful um, compared to someone that that is very naturally gifted, they might be able to get there much faster. You don't think that they could end up at a similar point, but just different at different times. If, if you take the, the piano lessons like I did, and, I, and I'm tone deaf, so I'm just making an analogy here. <laughs> okay. If you took the same 10 years of piano lessons, you will get relative pitch, but if I'm born with perfect pitch, you'll never get there. Just something I'm born with. Yeah. So guess what? A good portion of the world, you'll never be a concert pianist like you know Mozart or something mm -hmm. like that, and some people will never pitch in the World Series or or be a quarterback in the in the in the Super Bowl. So just because you can't become as intuitive as some other people in the world, it's not a bad thing. You have gifts in other areas, right? And I think that's actually a really great point. So if people are out there and you've realized that you don't have a gift of something, and you haven't found your gift, you, you yet. just haven't found it. Don't don't give up. Don't give up. And and. So there's a couple different things someone can do if they don't have a natural gift. They can still achieve 
I'm sure, great success in, in something. Areas. Right. Or even modestly in an area they might not be naturally gifted in. Mm -hmm. As you had said, you yep. can still spend a lot of time if you want to have that dedication. You're just fixated that you want to be, you know, a professional pianist. You might not be the best in the world or the most blah, 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 fill in the bank, blank, but you could achieve that goal. You believe that that's possible. Someone can be successful. Maybe not the best of the best of the best. Right. Not I, necessarily I love goal give up. setting. So not necessarily give up. You wouldn't suggest someone who is not naturally gifted to give up on their dream, but maybe find a gift that they have and maximize that. I, when, when I wrote about it in the book, I'm very big into goal setting. Mm -hmm. uh, I've achieved all the goals I've set out and much more. But there's a key in goal setting. You have to set a goal that's an attainable goal. I could set a goal right now saying, I'm gonna pitch in the World Series. That's not an attainable goal at my age going up against you know 20 year old athletes. So it's a stupid goal to set up. It's a non-attainable goal. Oh, I wanna sing opera at Carnegie Hall. Stupid goal for me to set up. It's not attainable. I'm not a singer. I don't have perfect pitch. Uh, I'm, I'm tone deaf. Okay. So, so the key in the sentence is you have to set attainable goals that you can go after. So how do we know what is an attainable goal? Well, How would one know that? It depends on the goal itself. You know, if you say, I want to, you know, graduate college with a master's degree, that's an attainable goal. Anybody can do that, you know. Uh, but if you say something, a goal that's athletically oriented, physically oriented, uh, intellectually oriented, I, I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth, never went to college, uh, just made myself what I am. So I know what my limitations are in terms of learning and education. And you can put a book in front of me and go, oh, here, read this book. I could just, no, I'll, I'll just never get it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I actually have trouble reading, but that's not the metaphor I was going for. So you have to be honest with yourself. Like pick a goal, say anything. Um, I wanna be an elephant. Is that an attainable goal? You can eat like a damn pig. <laughs> you can become huge, but you'll never be an elephant. Like it's, it's a stupid goal to have. Are you calling my goal stupid? Yes. Okay. It's a non-attainable goal. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it a... He's so firm and harsh. Wow, what a great mentor you'd be. Just no, you call it like it is. I love that actually. I have You're people send me teller. tapes. Yes. Uh, well, not tapes anymore. God, I'm aging myself. <laughs> you did age yourself. <laughs> I have people send me uh, YouTube links and say, I wanna do this or I wanna do that. And I'll watch them and say, I'd love to work with you. Fly to Vegas or we'll do it over Skype or whatever. And sometimes I look at it and go, it's just not there. Like, knock yourself out, keep going. I'm not gonna waste my time with somebody that I know I can't get to where you wanna get to. And if you were honest with yourself, you would go, okay, let's try something else. Now we're talking. Okay, let's experience. Let's, let's talk about other avenues that you could be good at because the one that you mentioned to me is, is not gonna happen. You just crushed my elephant dream. Okay, pick another one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, pivot. It's about pivoting. You can't be an elephant, you can be a fox. Could I? Oh, you already are. Oh, you, he's good. <laughs> but you understand is, what I'm saying. I do, yeah, 100%. So I love to set up goals, I look at something, I decide is that attainable or not, that I break it down into steps. 
uh, and say, because when you look at a long-term goal, sometimes it becomes overwhelming. My mother is, I want to strangle her sometimes. Like she's sitting in her house. (laughs) She just moved into my guest house, right? She's 85 years old. Did I tell you that? Yep. Okay, she's 85 years old. You, you are a grown in. man with a live-in yes, mom. I'm, I'm Great a, for dating. Uh, it's, it's not. It's not. I live with my mommy. Uh, no, 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 no. She lives with you. Yes, Mary. I know. I know. That's, that's the way I'm... <laughs> but that little self-talk is there, yeah. Yes. So, so she's unpacking. So she unpacks all this stuff and it's all around her. And she gets up overwhelmed. Like she gets up in the day and, and I go and see her in the morning. I go in with coffee and what are you going to do today? <sighs> she sighs a lot. <sighs> I, I got to call my doctors. I got to switch my doctors and I got to do this and I got to do that. And, and oh my God, I got to put these like, and then she does nothing. She becomes tired by doing nothing, becoming overwhelmed mm. as opposed to saying, okay. And I say to her, get out a pencil and paper. Let's write the things that you have to do. Let's put them in priority order and figure out how you, no, 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 no. Like she's just the opposite of me. But, you know, there's systematic ways of attaining your goals. Okay, so let's go into that. This is about the practical aspect of Mm -hmm. creating the success. So we want your secret, not about your mentalism. We know we don't get that. But the secret to your process of success. So you had said you... Here's Here's a perfect example. My book. Yeah. I wanted to write a book. I don't remember if I told you this or not. Uh, <laughs> to me, a book was over 300 pages. Yes. Did we go over this already? We did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I set a goal and said I wanted to write a book. Had to be over 300 pages long. Yes. And there was a certain date that I wanted it done by to send it to the, uh, the editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I sat down and did the math. And I said, okay, from here to here, it's X amount of days. I don't remember what it was. I think I talked about it. 94 days, whatever it is. And I want to do 300 pages. 300 divided by that many days came out to like 2.87 pages a day that I had to write. That became an easy goal as opposed to, oh, what am I going to write about today? Three pages a day is nothing. Nothing. And, and as we talked about, I put a headset on, started to tell a story. And as I would tell a story, brrr, the, the, the computer is keeping up with me. And it's like five pages, six pages. I'm going, Damn. So, so I broke it down. I broke it down so it's easy for my brain to understand how much I have to do today to get to where I want to go. Because sometimes the light at the end of that tunnel is so far you can't even see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you break it down and go, well, before you hit the red light, there's a green light. But before you hit the green light, there's a blue light. And you're in the tunnel going, oh, there's the blue light. I can make it to there. Oh, there's the green light. I can make it like, you, I, I break things down. And I love to set up rewards for myself. Ooh, really? What kind of rewards did you did you set up with the book? Oh, well, there's two of them in here. Let's see if I can. You don't need to hold that up anymore. So I wanted to have the book written by a certain time, mm-hmm. and I forgot what the other goal was. But these are my two rewards in the picture, which I attained them both. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see that. One was a Corvette. One was a Porsche. To. Corvette and a Porsche. So I I, I always wanted. A Corvette, because when I was a kid, I used to watch a TV show with Bill Bixby called The Magician, and he drove a Corvette. I said, I want to be a successful Vegas entertainer and drive a Corvette. What color is it? It looks like a light one. Is it red? Which, the Corvette the or Corvette. The, the Porsche? The Porsche looks dark. It looks like it's The Porsche a... was a beige. The Corvette was a red. Oh. 
was beige? It looks like it's a dark one. Yeah. Not a beige. I'm sorry. Burgundy. Burgundy. Okay. Yes. Yeah, those are beautiful. So you were highly motivated then by your reward. Right. Like a Pavlov dog. Right. Yes. You calling me a dog? You elephant? Yeah. Dog but, is a good thing, though. See, the reason I wanted to write the book is, as you mentioned at the very beginning, there was some sexual molestation going on in my life. And I was able to recover from it and make lemonade out of lemons, which a lot of people can't. So I wanted to teach. My goal writing the book was if I can prevent one kid from going through what I went through, the book was worth it. But that's a reward that's so far off, I can't see it. So something like the car or uh, I'm going to go to the Caribbean for a few days scuba diving or whatever my goal was mm -hmm. is easier to look at and see and shoot for. How did you stay focused on the goal other than the reward? Like, did you create um, a vision board or how did you remind yes. yourself? You did. <laughs> yes. Yes. I went to Tony Robbins' date with destiny. Oh, my God. I didn't even know how long ago, a long time ago. I've actually done it multiple times. And uh, uh, yes, he's taught me how to do the vision boards. I have them in my phone. Yeah, you work with him. You're about to go and work with him in a week or two or something like that, yes. right? Yes, in two yes. weeks I will go to Sun Valley, Idaho and perform for his group. So to me, the best motivational speaker in the world is hiring me to speak. How cool is that? That's so cool. How freaking cool is that? When I was a kid... I loved the rock band Kiss because they were very theatrical, unlike the Allman Brothers in jeans. Right. I loved Kiss. I used to look at them and go, oh my God, I, I, I wish I could do that. And I loved Tony Robbins listening to his motivation. Kiss, they're at my house every week. They're friends of mine. They'll be over wow. tonight. You want to come to the house tonight? They'll be sure. over tonight hanging out with, every Tuesday I do a, a group of friends. Tony Robbins asked me to, uh, to, to speak to his group every year for like the last 12 years. How cool is that? That's amazing. That to me yeah. is uh, achieving my dreams and so much more. I said, oh, I wanted to perform for Tony. I wanted to give back. He, he's performed for me. I want him to see me perform. We're friends. I could pick up the phone and call him right now. You know, so how did that connection be made? So you did you really have this in your mind that you've taken his programs and you just decided I'm just going to perform for him one day? Like it's funny that you say taken his programs. What was that not so, supposed to? Well, what the did first I say? time I ever performed for Tony, uh, my ass is shaking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So the That's first a talent. <laughs> it is. The first time that's I ever another performed, show. Your other talents that maybe you you that, didn't. Well, bank that's what on. we're doing the naked show. <laughs> right. uh, the first time I ever performed for Tony, uh, I don't know, twelve years or whatever it was. I show up at the the place where I'm going to perform, and he's speaking on stage. And after he's done speaking, he comes backstage to meet me. He was like oh, I heard so much about you and I'm so excited to see you perform and blah, 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 blah. And all of my staff has seen you. And I was like, oh, terrific. So he said, um, and I have your, your introduction here. Is this good? And I go, yeah, it's standard it's bullshit introduction. So I said to him, I owe you an apology. So he goes, we've never met before. I go, wait a second. When I was young and I was married the first time, I bought your personal power, your 30-day course. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to date myself here, Doc. 
It was on cassette tape. (laughs) I said, and I wasn't able to afford it. It was 199 bucks, I think. And I saw an infomercial about it. So I ordered it, put it on my charge card. I got it. I copied all the tapes. And I'm telling Tony this. And I copied all the books and I mailed it back to Guthy Ranker and said, I want my money back. And I said, and I loved it. And it helped me form where I wanted to go and how I wanted to get there. And you helped me form my set of goal setting. So he's looking at me like, do you want me to clobber you? Right? And I said, and I did it with some of your other books too. First time you meet First time I'm meeting him. First time I'm meeting him. So I said, but I want to apologize to you for doing that. But you helped me become the, the, the success that I am. And even though I've, I've done all that 100 years ago, when I achieved success, I felt that I had to give you back. So I ordered everything that you have. It's sitting in my house. A lot of it is unwrapped, but I, I wound wow. up buying it and buying extras and giving them out to friends who I felt could use them. Uh, wow. And th- he was like, okay, you turned it around nicely. So I said, just wanted you to know. So now I, he goes out to introduce me for the very first time. And he has this paper and he goes, folks, I have somebody really special here and uh, that's bullshit. Let me tell you what he told me backstage. And he recounts the whole story as my introduction going, this little fucker <laughs> takes all of my stuff and copies it and has the balls to tell me about it. But then said, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, yeah. I love this guy and brought him out and brought me out. And I've done it every year since. That is so cool. And during the pandemic, I did on Zoom. I did Zoom performances for his people. So I love it. I guess so. How, just to digress and keep going into this direction, um, how, is, how is that to be on stage with him and his whole group and that, I mean, is that intensity? Like, I've been at his programs too before, mm-hmm. sitting in the floor. UPW. In the UPW, yeah. It was amazing experience. Mm-hmm. The energy is profound. Mm-hmm. People really get into it. Tony has an amazing way of really getting the energy of the crowd and getting them into state as he talks about it. But being on the stage and working with his crowd, how is that? Uh, is it just like performing any other? I don't way? like. How can I put this? What's that noise? I don't know. Is there like earthquakes going on here, and the place is falling apart? Are we okay? No, that's the gym next door. Give oh. me one second. <laughs> CrossFit. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. That's people getting in shape. They are mm-hmm. not in state in shape. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So, which is also very important. We'll have an episode. About so, that. you invite me to a party, mm-hmm. and I go to a party with all of your friends. I am going to be the exact opposite of what you think. I'm not the life of the party. I'm the guy who sits in the corner and watches everybody. And I'll say, "Babe, go ahead, go do your thing and mingle." And I'm going to just be here and relax. So, I'm at my best when I'm on stage. So, me walking around the crowd of all his people would not be good for me. I wouldn't be comfortable with that. So oh. being on stage, me and him, I have my space, I'm in charge, I love it. So when I'm up on stage, I love it. And then when they grab me afterwards and they all wanna talk, a oh, little more difficult for me. Uh, but but being on stage, that's, that's my happy place. That's where I'm the most comfortable. So you are in your element when you're performing, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. You are a that's performer. That's what I'm built that's, to do. That's built. Are you really like, 
an introvert when you're not on stage or you're just very to yourself, quiet. We talked a little bit about being a lone wolf. I'm one of those two. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people who are either performers or creatives or very outgoing around people, I've tended to kind of put this together that they really do like to have their own. It takes a lot. Most comics are not very funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They write material to be funny, but in real life, people think they're they're dicks. Like he was an asshole when I met him, but no, it's just he's not on. They're in their head. Like to be a creative person, a performer, all of you are deeply rooted in yourself. And I mean, I know that for myself, being you know having danced for forever, and now you know I've got my podcast and I speak and do more and more creative things. I'm finding my tendency to spend much, much more time to myself as I've switched out of the medical side, which I did for a long, long time. And I was out, you know, helping people and talking and all of the things. As I switched to being more creative again, it's like I need so much more time to process and build. And do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, before I could be very just out there talking to people, it was educational. It was very like more mechanical and just spewing out things and whatever. And I could just coast there. But it is a very different experience being in that creative brain and mindset. So when I meet somebody that I'm going to potentially date or date, I tell them right up front, who you saw on stage is the mentalist. You're going to be dating Jerry. Two different people. You know, I'm a... I'm strong up on stage, I do my thing, but in real life, you know, you're not gonna take me to a party and go, everybody, look what my boyfriend can do. I'm gonna go, hell no. Like, it's- Show you off like a prize. I woke up today and you're I You're the arm candy, Jerry. No, no. I, I dress all in black all the time. I, I like to blend right in. <laughs> Just stand know? up against the wall. Like, I'm not here. Yes, but some people take that as me being a dick. Right. Some people will go, oh, yeah, I was at a party that he was at. He didn't talk to anybody. He was just, you know, he was a dick. That's just not me. So then how did you succeed? Okay, networking is like a big thing in the business world and creating contacts and blah, blah, blah. But before you had agents, you had to do a certain amount of networking, did you not? Or what was your strategy for getting known and getting discovered? In my day, Leslie... All the networking was done through uh, PR kits, you know, uh, mailing stuff out to agents. So you always pretty much had someone doing that for you? Well, I started, I was doing it, okay. but I would mail you a press kit. Oh, but you still, I see. And okay. then you would hire me from there. So we didn't have to interact. I didn't go to oh, wow. networking events, mm-hmm. you know, or when I used to do colleges, you know, NACA would have these events. I would be in the booth with the agent, but the agent would do all the talking, you know? So it's, I don't like to sell myself. I don't like to brag about myself. I just like to go out and do, you know? Uh, Remember that movie, The Devil's Advocate? Yes. Never let him see you coming. Never, I I, I undersell myself, I, I don't talk about myself, and then when you see the show you go, I didn't see that coming, holy shit. Right. You know, so I didn't tell you anything about my show when we first started to, to communicate. Nope. I saw what you were doing. I said, I want to be part of this. I sent you an invite, come to the show. Didn't brag, didn't tell you, I did this, I did this, I did that. No. Come to the show. And you came to the show and what happened? 
speechless. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speechless. So, so to me, networking is not my thing. What? See what happened here? What? Again, I'm speechless because it's so pushed to network and the social media. I think I told you how much I hate social media. I have more Sorry, days. I do. I would not do social media if I didn't have to. When I, over the pandemic, when I had my coaching practice and I didn't, I just kind of got throw, thrown into it and I had my clients. I did not do it. I, I was in, I don't like to do certain things. Networking mm -hmm. is a chore and social media is a chore. Correct. I will do them because it's important for certain content, you know, with the, the place that I, I have my um, medical practice, my, my partnership with, it's important to get that. And you've got a ton of business that way. You, yes, Things yes, are different. When I was yeah. young, the big thing was putting an ad in the yellow pages. Right. You know. But as a creative, it's different. Like when you talk to your performers and mentor them, they're probably like you, most of them, you'd say, where they're they outgoing. Be like me. You know what I mean in terms of their personality. They're very creative, they're performers, but they're kind of more recluse or they're um, to themselves. Some are outgoing, some are very okay. quiet, some are like okay. me. Okay. I have to look at what they are and help okay. them design their personality around mm -hmm. uh, their personality around what they are. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you try and be somebody that you're not on stage, it's it comes off as a, you know, not authentic. Right. You know. And people smell People that. see through that. Yeah. People look and go, there's a bunch of bullshit. Right. You know, mm -hmm. where I, I try and be myself on stage, but an exaggerated version of myself. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. I Actually, when you were mentioning that, I was thinking about the shooting the guns that you had on stage, the staple guns. I was working on that all day today. Were you? Yes. In practice. Um, that was one that, just gave me chills. I didn't know. I did not. It wasn't not... me giving you the chills. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. It is the same. It's you were getting chills for the guns. No, I'm trying to figure out how <laughs> no, to that... travel with it. It's tough to travel with. <laughs> with staple guns, I guess. TSA. They're nail guns. <laughs> yeah, nail guns. But, but huge ones, like huge ones. And, and I have a huge air compressor because I need 120 pounds of air for every shot. Right. So I don't know if you noticed when I put the sides of the table up, did you see that big red yes, thing? Yes, yeah. Traveling mm -hmm. with that and the table and the guns and everything is just after 9-11, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So I found guns that are battery operated. I don't need the big air tang. So mm. I'm reworking the routine, figured out how to do it, was building it all day today, uh, painted a bunch of things. I love creating. I'm in my shop all the time. Painted a bunch of things knowing, okay, I'm gonna come here and see you. The paint's gonna dry. I'm gonna go home and do more. I'll probably put it, what is today? Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So I have off tomorrow, so I'll rehearse all day. I'll probably put it in my show by this weekend and perform it for a whole week, get the kinks out, and then take it and do it for Tony in two weeks. With a new nail gun. It'll look the same. Okay. If you came to the show, like you did the other day or you came to the show in a week, you'd go home and tell your friends, he did this thing with nail guns and it's not gonna look any different to you. Okay. To me, practically it's I different. Because now, like I get a lot of drama when I pull the air hose off. Yes. You know, I do it near the microphone and everybody, ah, I don't yeah. have that anymore. Now they're battery operated. Mm -hmm. So my jokes have to change, my, my moments of intensity has to change. Mm -hmm. So I have to rewrite all that. I 
Right. That's what I, I live for. And there's so much passion in what you do. So you became fascinated with magic and mentalism when you were young. You were drawn to that. Was that a way to cope? Was that, a, or you just knew that this was what you needed to do is perform, like this is part of you, or like what came first? I, I received a magic set for Christmas as a kid. Okay. Started to play with it. Mm-hmm. Not too much after that, my father decided to leave. So there was four kids in the house. My older brother and my older sister were married. My younger sister went with my father. So it was just me and my mother. And no, this is, oh my God, how many years ago? 50 years ago. Divorce was not a big thing back then. So I was adopted. Everybody knew it. I wore the scarlet letter on my, my chest. Like I would be introduced by my friends. Oh, this is little Gerard. He's adopted. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like it was not a good thing. And oh. then all of a sudden, oh, this is Gerard. His parents are getting divorced. So I was always that, oh, feel sorry for him. Mm. So when I started to do magic, it was because I enjoyed doing it. And then I would go places like my mother would say, my mother started to date. And ding dong, she would go, oh, Gerard, go get the front door. Keep him busy. I'm running a little late. So I would have to do like no magic way. for her boyfriend. Oh, kidding? I swear, I swear. Wow. Uh, or, or my father would pick me up for the weekend and we'd go visit somebody and he'd, do your thing, do your thing. And he was a cop, so I'd say, fine, put me in your handcuffs. And, you know, and so, so it became my way of shining because at the time, the divorce was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they're getting divorced. Are you okay? Wherever we'd go, people would talk to my mother, oh, because my father had a girlfriend. You know, so I got swept under the rug as a kid. So it became my reason to shine. So it, I'm sure it was therapeutic as well as gave you your identity. It gave me an identity. It, it kept my head busy creatively. Um, it, it was just a good venue for me, which I kept up for years, uh, made money doing it, got married. My wife and her family convinced me, oh, you'll never support a family doing magic. You should give that up. And they were like blue-collar workers. Mm-hmm. One owned a tow truck to business. Five, the whole nine thing. To, the other worked yeah. on a loading dock. And this is what you should do. That's right. why I went to work for a hospital. And eventually realized, do you remember David Letterman's show? Yes. So I used to work the midnight shift at the hospital. So I'd go in, and I worked in the boiler room. And I would check all the gauges and check all the machinery and everything would be okay. And I would turn on and watch David Letterman every night. And he has a sarcastic sense of humor like I do. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. And I was like, oh, I got to go see that show. Now here's, here's goal setting for you. So I call up NBC. I say, I want to go see the David Letterman show. Now he had a certain amount of people in the audience. They knew how many seats were there. So they were like, okay, we'll put you on the waiting list. How long is that? Two and a half years. <laughs> no Because they knew like we can seat... 112 people a night or whatever it was, yeah. and they just knew. So I thought to myself, no fucking way am I waiting two and a half years. There's got to be another way to get in. And one night I'm watching, and he does this little thing called Stupid Pet Tricks. And I had a bird at home, and I was like, hmm, I used to do magic. I can make it look like the bird's doing magic. And I went home, and I opened my trunk. I took it out of storage, and... I can do this. And I put something together quick, made a videotape and sent it to them. 
They called me like two days later. This is great. Oh my God, you got to be on the show. So, so no from them telling me way. two and a half years in two and a half weeks, I was on the show meeting David, getting to watch the show. But I did it just to, to see the show. I, I always wondered, is he that funny? Or is there like an applause sign? Like, <laughs> telling everybody to like to laugh. Yeah. So I wanted to be there in person to witness this. But when I walked out, I had this stupid little bird on my hand and I walked out and the audience cheered. And I hadn't heard that for a few years because my wife convinced me, you know, you can't raise a family doing this. And I walked out and I was like, oh my God, I miss this so much, wow. so much. And I was like, this is what I'm gonna do if you don't like it, you know. You married me when I was doing it and I wanna do it. You can't change who I am, you know. Wow. So there was a goal. I wanna be on that show and I'm not waiting two and a half years. That's amazing. So to break that down, what I'm hearing is you were given an answer, you had a goal, you were given an answer that was not sufficient. Not acceptable. You just, you said no. We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. There's another way. Mm -hmm. So no, there has to be another way. There has to be another way. So your mind is incredibly strong at just, it's just resilient. There is no no. Like that's just not even in your vocabulary. You just find a way. You just sit back. You were contemplating. You were like, no, there's, there's something else. I'm going to just get it done. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful and very important for everyone to hear. We actually had another um, person on the show, same, same thing. There's just, there is no no. It may not be the way in which he got to his end goal, mm -hmm. but there's just but he got always there. a way. There's nothing, no, no impossibility. Right. I don't take no's very lightly. Mm. <laughs> be careful. So, <laughs> so have you ever experienced procrastination or a roadblock in achieving any of your goals that oh, all the time seemingly insurmountable or that really you were just like, fuck, no, I want to get there. And I just, I'm feeling like I can't. Did you ever experience that? Road Please tell me. Please tell us that you experienced that. Yes. <laughs> Humanize I, yourself. <laughs> I've, I've achieved, uh, I've, I've come across many obstacles in my road to where I wanted to go. Uh, but I don't let that stop me. So what does it look like for you when you have an obstacle that you feel like stuck? Like you... Did you ever get to a point where you feel like you're banging your head against the wall and you're like, oh, you just get frustrated? Or you just never? I just, no. Really? No. I look at something and I go, oh, this roadblock is in the way. I guess my course of action is not going to work that way. So you so just. So let me figure out another course of action. Your neuroprogramming is so just clean. It goes from, okay, that doesn't work. Something else will. That's it. There's no in between. I, I've never stopped on my way to achieving a goal and said, I can't do this. I've never stopped. You didn't ever feel doubt? Mm, probably. Okay, let's go there. Probably. Like, I, I'll, I, I doubt that I can get to where I want to go on this path. So 
I'll take another path. Mm-hmm. Well, here, okay, here's my biggest no. When I was a kid, I had two things that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a magician, and I wanted to be a rock star. I loved Kiss, right? And now you have them at your house every Tuesday. Yes, <laughs> oh, they're there more than every Tuesday. <laughs> okay. uh, so, so those, those are my two goals, and I wanted to merge them. And I wanted to put together a band where magical things were happening while the band was playing, right? Unique, fun. So I'm practicing magic, and I'm playing in a band and practicing music. Now my stepfather, because my mother eventually remarried, and my stepfather was a professional musician. And I used to hear him, his studio was right next door to my bedroom. So I'd hear him every day for hours doing scales. Bing, 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 And I used to like listen to him do that for four hours a day. He'd put on the Yankee game and he wouldn't finish and the game would be over. Right, and, I, and then I'd say, you going to work tonight? He'd go, yeah, where are you going? Uh, Herschel's Bar Mitzvah. And I'd be like, what? Like all that to do like a wedding or a Bar Mitzvah? And from seeing what he did and from me playing, I realized I did not have musical ability. Mm-hmm. So my goal to be that musician, I couldn't change that. It was a non-attainable goal. I could have relative pitch, but I can't have perfect pitch. And I would never get to the level to be the best with that ability. So that is when I said, can't do it. Took all of my musical stuff down to, the, to Sam Ash, turned it in, bought a new sound system for my magic, and, and hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I was smart enough to be honest with myself and say, it's not gonna happen. And if it does, it's going to be half-assed, and I don't do things half-assed. I want to be the best at what I do. So I hit that, and, and there was doubt in my head, and I just stopped and put more into the magic. So you really And had... you know who loves that story? Paul Stanley from Kiss. Oh, yeah? He loves really? it. When I, I told him that, he was like, oh, my God, that's so great. That's so great. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so it, you have a, an enormous amount of... Ability to reflect, like you said, you were smart enough to kind of sit back and go, okay, this just doesn't make any sense. Right. That is also a skill to what? be able to, to have logic and be What's able the to... skill? Honesty? Yeah, but a lot of people... I mean, okay, you've seen the show, what is it, America's Got Talent? Mm-hmm. People that think that they are Beyonce. Uh, Uh, right and they i actually should have held my my headphone here um they really honest to god think that they are she bangs she yes (laughs) yes and and the judges are just like oh my god this person just does not get it like they right don't see that so are you saying they're skillless because they don't see that they can't I don't know what do you think well you're the one who said what i do is a skill it's a skill or a capacity some people i feel um yeah maybe it's a skill i think it might be more of a capacity i don't know if that can be taught truthfully i mean i've worked with many people that have the capacity to grow and change they come to me for a reason there's that alignment and they want it and they they're aware enough to come to me want my service and then they can make the change but some people i think just 
I don't think I have the capacity to reflect and be honest and just go to that place in their mind like maybe I'm not. Okay. What's your experience with your performers? Like the tapes that you get from people who right. they're like, I want to work with you. I want to be such and such. And you're like, holy fuck. Like you have no talent. They don't have the skills to reflect. Right. The skills to um, be honest. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they just don't have the capacity to to even learn how to be honest. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I feel is sorry a, for them. Is it a skill capacity? Do you like what? You know, there's a lot of things that I've learned in my life. I don't know how I would ever, or what I would attribute where I learned that from. Right. You know? So maybe that is a natural inborn gift. Maybe, do you have it? The capacity? Mm -hmm. Can you see something and go, ah, I couldn't do that? Yeah. So where'd you get it from? Yeah, I think for myself, it was, I've always had it. I I think I've cultivated more. I Sometimes in my life, I feel like I didn't. Have it? I didn't have it. Or certain aspects, I felt blind. Mm -hmm. And some of that is just learning. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But to have that ability to reflect, I've spent, so my process that I share with people, the remap process, I focus heavily on reflection and the tools and the strategies to help people learn how to reflect. There's different ways based off of different people and how they experience life and whatever to learn to kind of connect inwards with them. But some people it's there, some people it's very challenging and they can't really get there. But again, there has to be a sparking and a desire to even want to learn. Some people just don't, I think, want to even. Some people want it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. That's never gonna happen. Yeah, that's maybe a good perspective. Maybe it isn't any of those. Maybe it's not just skill or capacity. Maybe they just want to be, you know, like going to the America's Got Talent um, auditions with those people, they just want to be in the limelight and they just want to sing because it feels good and they might, you know. You would have no they, idea how many people. So during my show, for those of you that don't know, I, I the part that she alluded to earlier was I speak to people in the audience, right? Yes. And, and people come up with... Dead people. I'm kidding. <laughs> six cents. Uh, yes. People are allowed to think of questions that they want me to figure out and give them advice on or, or whatever. Yes. Right? yes. You'd be surprised at how many young kids, the question in their head is, will I be famous or when will I become famous? And I'll say, oh, that's interesting. You, I have a feeling you're thinking about becoming famous. Yes. What do you do? I don't know. Like they just want to be famous for becoming famous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because this, oh my God, it, it, it destroys me. When I grew up, there was, there was sitcoms, actors, comedians. You went on The Tonight Show, you were a comedian, your life changed overnight. Johnny invited you back to the, to the chair. Oh my God, you were an instant success. Nowadays with all these reality shows, there's like no talent out there anymore. You know, and you look and you go, what, is this like five old bitches complaining at each other. This is like a TV show. Right. So nowadays, 
Like talent does not even come into their head in, in terms of that's part of what you need to be to be a success. And I was like, are you a singer? Uh, no. Do you dance? Are you funny? Like, what do you want to be? To f- I want to be an influencer. Like, right. Ugh, just not honest with themselves. Right. And like, I'm talking to you for 30 seconds and I'm bored. But you're going to influence people to buy shit or do shit. Get, you know, get real. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe Im- miss their intention or their motive is, is mismanaged. Mm-hmm. Misintention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. It's, it's a sad thing. It is. It's a sad yeah. thing that that's the generation that's coming up. They feel entitled, you know, and they don't want to work and they want to, you know, they hear all these little things. Oh, look at that guy, PewDiePie, or whatever that guy's. You know, he's an influencer. He makes three million dollars a year playing video games or whatever. Right. You know, and everybody right. thinks that they can do it. Right. You know, anyone could be a doctor, but you have to put the time in. Right. It's probably twenty years of schooling. You know, it's you want to be in entertainment, you got to put the time in. I studied comedy, I studied theater, I studied drama, I studied speech, I studied this stuff. Where right. these nowadays, they don't want to study anything. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Mm. It's a shame. It is. Well, before we wrap up, we have just a couple more minutes. I want to know, I'll give you two sentences. <laughs> With commas? With commas, as many commas as you want. What is next for you? We talked a little bit, you talked a little bit about your mentorship and wanting to share with people, but what is like the next level for you that you're wanting to work towards or in the process of working towards? A few years ago, my divorce was settled. Right? And I showed up to one of Tony Robbins' things. And I walked in the door <clears throat> and Tony comes up to me and he goes, oh my God, Jerry, you look 10 years younger. The weight of the world is off your shoulders. He goes, you're divorced, settled. Because it took like two years. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. He goes, oh, you look great. He goes, what are your goals now? Similar to what you just asked. And I said, you know, I always wanted to be a successful performer. I wanted to be a Vegas headliner. I wanted to have my own TV show. Check, 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 check. I think I'm now going to relax and enjoy my success. Because what I would, I would be going towards something and then as I was getting close to achieving that goal, I'd stick another one in there. So that one would be achieved, but I would also be, I'd be working on the next one. I remember working on my TV show, The Mentalist, and I was like, I was so headstrong on doing what I wanted to do, I never stopped and enjoyed the process. And then I did a reality show a few years ago called Phenomenon. It was on NBC. And it was a bunch of kids. Uh, most of them were younger than me. And I told them all, enjoy what we're doing. Enjoy the moment, take it in. So my goal, I'm enjoying my success right now. I go out on stage every night, I get my fix of adrenaline, I perform for the tourists. You know, if I want a car, I buy it. If I want to take a lovely lady to dinner, I do it. If I want to take my kids somewhere, I do it. I'm just enjoying life. So So my, is this a goalless stage? Or the goal is to enjoy your I want life to be a as great much- dad? I want to teach the next generation of mentalists and I want to enjoy what I've achieved because I could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. And, right. you know, I, one of my favorite things that I say is I'm living life one day at a time. I love that. Yep. That is so great. Yep. So that's, that's my goals right now. I they may that. change, you know. <laughs> we'll uh, see how long that lasts, right? <laughs> well, like we said, uh, when, we, when we talked 
I'm looking for somebody to share my life with now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've established myself. I've I've gotten over the divorce. I've decompressed. I did the whole thing. Now I want somebody to enjoy life with. I want somebody to come home to and go, you'll never guess what I did today. Or you'll never guess this person in the audience how I touched their lives. Or look at this email I got today. Oh my God, I helped somebody not go through what I went through. How was your day, honey? Yeah. Like, so I, I'm, I'm looking for that. That's my goal, but I'm just enjoying life. That's awesome. What was the other one? You said you had two. What? Oh, I thought you, I thought you said I have two questions for you. Oh, did I? Before we wrap up. Wow. Nope. I think that was it. I wanted wanted to just know what, yeah, the next level is for you. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. I had so much fun with you. So did I. We dropped a couple of swears. That's good. You know, I'm from New York. What the fuck? I know, right? I got the Canadian in me, the Canuck. (laughs) It happened. Anyways, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time. Adios. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.